0: Hi, you're listening to the Rosenfeld Review. I'm Lou Rosenfeld. I have not one, but two guests today. I've got with me Maria Giudice and Christopher Ireland, authors of our next book and their second book, Makers: How Leaders Can Design Change in an Insanely Complex World. Welcome to the Rosenfeld Review. Good to see you both.
1: Likewise.
0: Um,
2: really
0: happy to be here it's it's great i mean this has been a really fun journey uh we, we've been talking about this for a while and i i've certainly uh been a fan of both of you since rise of the deo came out which is that's what about eight ten years ago now it
2: came out in 2013
0: all right just coming up oh, i'm perfect so nine years all right i was pretty close um and, uh, you know, you, the listeners out there, you, you inevitably uh, have come across Christopher and Maria's work. Uh, Christopher, uh, uh, among other things, C- CEO and co-founder of Cheskin, uh, uh, such an influential firm in the design world, uh, and uh, Maria, uh, founder of Hot Studio, um, and uh, both have worked with and for some pretty large organizations as change makers. We're going to get to what that means in just a little while. But, hey, I got the book right here. If we're getting any video right now, everyone can see how beautiful it is. It really is. It's like one of the most beautiful books we've done. And I think that's saying a lot. Um, But, um, you know, you could say this is yet another design leadership book. And first of all, would that be true? And secondly, how is it different? Who wants to get a a first crack at that?
2: I nominate Christopher.
0: All right.
1: (laughs) Um, So I think it complements the design leadership books that are out there, but I don't think it is really a book about design leadership. It's about using design to make change. So subtle difference, but important. we don't, you know, our content is not going to help you become a better leader overall. It, it's really focused on how to lead change um, and, you know, what the prerequisites are, what the process is, what the tools are, um, and what to watch out for.
0: So what yeah. what kind of change are we talking about? Uh, is it the change that... Uh, organizations need to to be more successful? Or is it at a level of the the change we need for the the world to survive?
2: Well, I think that the underpinning of the book is really about establishing a platform and framework to which change can be applied. So you can apply this framework to uh, something very small, like I want to, I want to change behaviors or I want to design a product that's going to change the way people think about it. You could do something very small or you could be thinking very big, which is, you know, I want to uh, I want to change a whole neighborhood and make it more environmentally friendly. And so when we uh, interviewed people for this book, we really looked for a wide range of change makers in, in different industries who can share their their stories and their lessons um, as change makers in the context to which
1: they work. Yeah, and the, the, the examples that we pulled from in the book um, ranged from just as you introduced, Lou, uh, large corporations that are changing, you know, entire systems within uh, their the company, or uh, we also reference some from nonprofits. Um, there are some that are in, you know, areas like food and others that are in areas like tech. So it's, it's not limited to any one particular industry or role or scale. It's like Maria said, it's, it's a perspective or an approach towards leading change in a way that is not so disruptive as we've experienced more recently.
0: Well, and that probably ties into the subtitle, right? About, uh, Insane complexity. Well, I, I I love that subtitle, and uh, usually with our authors, I argue about every <laughs> little aspect of the title and the subtitle. And this one, I just kind of let slip through. As you remember, I didn't. I, I challenge you on some things, but not on this. So, um, <laughs> develop that a little bit. Insanely complex. Why did you bring that mm. into the subtitle? Mm.
2: Yeah. Well, isn't it? Isn't it an insanely complex world? I mean, I I think we're all kind of feeling it, right? We're feeling sort of the weight of the world. We're looking at the world as sort of interdependent and interconnected. And that's what makes those problems really hard to solve. Uh, You know, we used to call them wicked problems. A more recent term is called Mm buka, volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous. And, it it It's very true. I mean, it's like you can't really solve problems linearly because you can look at something on one end and not understand the cause and effect of what's happening on the other end, which is why systems thinking is so critically important when we're thinking about navigating change at scale. Um, and, and and so, and as you know, designers are systems thinkers. so it's just one of the qualities that design brings to the table is this ability to look broadly and look at patterns and understand the context to which you
1: are establishing change.
0: So uh, that's yeah. interesting. Oh, go ahead, Christopher, sorry. I was
1: going to say, A second element of that. I mean, Maria uh, mentioned that we're all interconnected and that you know, creates these permutations, but almost um, surprisingly, the other side of that is we're living in a very fragmented world. Right where there's very hard lines drawn and people have really dug their heels in about what they will accept and won't accept. So change becomes really difficult because you've got resistors everywhere you go, people who want to fight change just because they either aren't ready for it or they don't trust you or um, they don't see things the same way you see. So that, that's what makes it insanely complex. Um, is that one yeah. 2 punch. Yes.
2: And with that, it becomes very emotional. Right. So that like when we think about what's different in today's society and some of the mistakes that have or the way change used to be, which was I have a problem, I'm going to solve it. It was very linear. It was based on logic. It was based on processes. But the changes that we need to see in the world right now are highly emotional. So they're much more people centered than ever before because of the fragmentation. Because because of the division. And again, once again, another quality of design is being people centered.
0: Okay, so you're talking about designers having some interesting skills to tackle change, like this this ability to see things in systems. And by the way, our next book is Cheryl Kababa's systems thinking for designers. That's just right behind yours. So good one-two punch. Um and also, Christopher, you're talking about um the, the sort of disconnects and fragmentation and uh, barriers that I think you know people with often with the kind of skills designers have are good at sort of fording those those gaps of bringing or making connections but that aren't there before but I got to say there's a lot of designers maybe on the, the more junior side that I talk to that are really kind of flummoxed when it comes to this idea of seeing And thinking in systems and so while i agree with you that like they are the right people to be helping here i i I do wonder if you have any guidance for those who don't necessarily see themselves as as the right kind of people to make this kind of change well i i I
1: would want to make a bit of a kind of a nuanced take on that and that i don't believe that change makers have to be designers right what we're saying is they need to embody the mindset and the approach that works for designers mm-hmm. i'm not a trained designer myself my i have an mba you know i i just learned by working closely with the design function what its superpowers were And Maria is the opposite. You know, she's a designer by training and yet she was the founder and CEO of a very successful business. She learned business by kind of osmosis. So it's the same thing. We're just saying, look, look at what works in the function of design and follow us in that way. And it doesn't have to be, um, you know, you don't have to go back to to graduate school or go to uh, design school. Uh, You just need to adopt that perspective.
2: Yeah. And, you know, in the book, we we kind of describe certain tools that people can use to be thinking more systematically. For example, there's a tool called a stakeholder map that designers are pretty much aware of, but a lot of people aren't aware of looking at a stakeholder map, which is map the system to which you are working in, the environment that you're working in. And And then look at it from this bird's eye view and try to understand the behaviors and patterns that this system is uh, involved in. Um, And so, you know, I can understand when you could say, oh, be a systems thinker, how difficult that could be. What does that mean? Because there's certain tools that people can use that can help them look at very, you know, look, look at things from a bird's eye view.
0: Well, I think that's great. Oh, I'm sorry, Christopher. go ahead.
1: as a designer, particularly a young designer, you kind of have permission to go beyond your your uh, you know your four walls. you You should be out there learning the business. You should be learning every part of the business and learning how it works because design crosses all functions if it's done well. Um, so you really need to understand what's going on. And that would be the first thing I'd say to you, young designers, go figure out how your company works. I,
0: I think that's great advice. And I think that the things like the stakeholder map are great tools that you're covering in the book. Uh, it, it's important. It's important to pull to, to bring those out because I really do think there's there's plenty of designers these days who are afraid to... But, you know, the the things they do, the small things they do in their jobs, they are starting to realize have these long-term effects. And the ripple Mm -hmm. effects go on and on and on. And it's got to be really hard. It's got to be really hard to not really be equipped with the tools that can help you see beyond the moment in time and space. Um, I want to talk a little bit about some of the change makers Uh, that you've encountered in in your careers and that have really inspired the book. We'll do that after the break. We're gonna take a quick break. You're all listening to the Rosenfeld Review. Hey, it's Lou. It's mid-roll time. What do I have to tell you about this time? Well, you know, we have a lot of conferences on the agenda for 2023. First one is coming up March 27th through 29th. It is the fourth edition of the Advancing Research Conference. It's the conference for people who are not right out of the gate, not so wet behind the ears as far as being user researchers or user experience researchers. No, this is the conference that's really uh, literally advancing the field of research. And I'm really excited because by the time you listen to this, we're going to have our program announced. I've been working really hard with Jem Ahmed and Chris Geeson, our curators. And it, you know, I'm biased, but every time we do this conference it gets better and better and better I can give you a quick preview about what the three themes are going to be one is going to be research as a transformational force the second one researchers as organizational change makers and we just uh, you might be listening to this in the middle of the podcast about the change makers book that Marie Giedis and uh, Christopher Ireland are writing and then the third theme transforming our craft um We just, I wish I could tell you about them all today, but we've got an amazing lineup of speakers. We'll announce it soon. The conference will be virtual March 27th through 29th, 2023. And you can get all the details on the Rosenfeldmedia.com site. Hope we'll see you there. Welcome back to the Rosenfeld Review. I'm with Christopher Ireland and Maria Gidis talking about change makers and um well that's the title of the book change makers how leaders can design change in an insanely complex world it's coming out in mid-january 2023 which is just oh about three weeks or so from today um we're talking right before christmas 2022 um, and there's a lot of change in the air literally the weather is insane uh, across north america Uh, But that's not the kind of change we're really talking about here. We're talking about uh, making change in the world and how design can have a role uh, and designers can have a role in change. And I wanted us to get into some stories of change makers, uh, some that you might have covered in the book, some that you might not have. And uh, how about you first, Maria? you have a a story you want to recount to breathe some uh, color into uh, what it means to make change?
2: Yeah, and I think this is going to help really kind of color sort of the qualities of a change maker as well. Um, You know, we interviewed over 40 people in this book. Um, And as we mentioned before, from different types of industries, small companies, large companies. And one of the things that really struck us was how vulnerable people were uh, in sharing their stories, their successes and failures. And one of the, one of the things, one of the qualities of being a change maker is having courage and resilience because failure is inevitable. You will, if you are going down the change making path, there is failure baked in. And with that, um, means that we have to be, uh, courageous and we have to be resilient. And uh, there's this one story from uh, somebody who interviewed named Angela Lang. Angela Lang is the executive director of a nonprofit called Block, Black Leaders Organizing for Communities in Wisconsin. And this organization's job is to activate um, the African American community uh, year round to get them to vote and to. Uh, you know, have a voice in politics in Wisconsin. So you can imagine, Wisconsin is a purple state. And every two years, there's an election cycle where they, you know, place their bets. And sometimes they win and sometimes they lose. So these these are big wins, big losses. And I asked her, I said, how do you manage to overcome the incredible losses after you put your heart and soul and everything into these elections? And she said, and I just I think it's really important about change. It's There is no end game here. You don't win a race. It's about progress. Are you making progress? Are you moving forward? And even though you move forward, sometimes you're going to move back. hmm. And so, in order to be a change maker, you have to really lean into the progress and the impact that you're making in 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 the current state, and recognize that you might you might leave a, you might leave a mark that somebody else will have to pick up and move it forward. And so, I find that to be really profound when we think about change making. <clears throat> it's really about progress it's not about going over a finish line. So I find that to be a very profound story for me.
1: What about you, Christopher? Yeah. Um, one of my favorites uh, is, is it's kind of uh, introduces a different type of change. And that is in, in ideal world, we choose the change we want to lead, you know, and we have a passion or a purpose about that change. But, uh, change sometimes just is hoisted on you. Like you you didn't want it. And COVID was a great example of that. And so one of my favorite stories from the book is um, one that Jen uh, Deets, Deets shared with us. She's the director of the Stanford Continuing Studies Program. And this was a, you know, they were running hundreds of classes on campus as an auxiliary to the the, you know, the university. And all of a sudden, in like a matter of weeks, she had to get her staff to completely change to entirely online programs. She also had to help the university, the professors who also had to all go online. And so as she explained it, she goes, suddenly her, you know, her chore became not one of how to, you know, um, distribute these wonderful classes, but how to get uh, an 82 year old student to learn how to log on to zoom and how to get an 88 year old professor to teach over zoom and and so she rallied her staff they adopted some uh generally a a a you know a a mindset of agility of of being able Mm -hmm. to pivot all the time Uh, they increased their communication so they were communicating constantly um, but they also distributed, she distributed a lot of her power and a lot of her responsibility. She distributed out to her staff and she just had to trust that they could make their decisions and run with it. And it turned out to be a, a really uh, great experience that she uh, she talks about both in the book and in a follow-up interview that we did with her on Medium.
0: It's interesting. Both of those stories, which are both inspirational, those folks that you cited, I don't think were designers.
2: No, neither one. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. And it kind of comes back full circle in that when we are talking about design, even though you know uh, this uh, this audience in particular is you know a a designer, uh, mostly designer uh, uh, led audience, we are offering up that design is really sort of a framework and a platform that anybody could leverage. If you are embracing the mindset of design and design methodology and design point of view and, uh, you know, change is like I always say change is like a redesign. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, if you treat everything in life as if it's a design problem. uh, You don't have to be a designer to to do that. And so these are two examples of people who are leading change in very different contexts but they still possess the same qualities of what is needed in order to do this work.
0: So just to reiterate those qualities are things like, um, stamina, a focus on progress rather than concrete, uh, maybe even measurable goals. What else would you include in terms of those, uh, characteristics?
1: Collaboration, definitely, a real um, respect for its power, respect for its um, for how to do it well, um, the the ability to share power, would you know to pass off uh, and let someone who's you know like with Maria and I, we have real definite strengths and weaknesses, and I think one of the reasons that we collaborate as well as we do is because you know I know when to stand back and and let her, as we call it, she's on top. And then she knows how to do the same for me. She, she'll she stand back and say, you take this one. You know, we don't fight over the the stage. Um, and I think that's a, a really crucial process because there's no way to make significant change alone. You just can't do it.
0: And I think that was okay. uh, somewhat, uh, was it Jennifer uh, Dietz who did that at, at uh, 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 was it at Stanford where yeah. she had a hand off right. or delegate a lot of, Control, a lot of power. Yep. Um, I gotta think that another big important characteristic is self care. Uh, you mention in the book that it's a marathon. Mar- I, I ran one of those. I have to pat myself on the back. One once was enough. And uh it it's really hard to sustain <laughs> a run like that and it's really hard when you're doing it over the course of potentially many years and uh, a lot of resistance you know it's not just your knees hurting and your 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 legs giving out it's people pushing back it's uh variables outside your control like pandemics that get in the way how on earth do we take care of ourselves so that we can keep going and uh, keep that progress moving rather than folding up after a year or two.
2: Aside from drinking a lot? Yeah,
0: aside from that.
2: <laughs> and a lot of spa days. <laughs> um, yeah, self-care is super important because another quality about being a changemaker is having passion. You really have to believe in the mission that you're setting out to uh to take on. And, and so that can easily lead to burnout because you are so passionate about wanting to see the change happen. You may not be paying attention to the fact that you're not taking care of yourself. You're taking too many things on at the same time. And uh, you're not ne- necessarily getting good sleep at night because you're thinking about the problem all night long. So these are really important things to notice and pay attention to. Obviously, prioritization—that's one of the one of the lessons in the book—is you have to ruthlessly prioritize and and really focus on what's important, and also have the courage to to you know to deprioritize things that aren't important that you can't get to. Um, so managing your workload is one way to um, on the step to self-care. But then I think the other one is just managing disappointment. You know it is it's some it is hard when things don't go your way. And you and as Christopher mentioned, you will get a lot of resistance. Resistance is inevitable. And so how do you handle? sort of that bad karma that comes your way (laughs) around resistance. Um, And uh, another lesson is to stay curious. It's like when you feel like you're getting attacked, you need to take a deep breath. I always tell my clients to go outside and touch the earth, to get grounded, come back, reset, and try to be curious and not necessarily defensive if that kind of resistance is getting to you. So there's a lot to manage um, when you're doing this work. And yet it's still one of the most rewarding things in the world to do.
1: Yeah, I, I take a little bit different um, approach to it in that I, I've always been athletic and I, I really respect the routines of good athletes. And I so I see the parallel there. I, a good athlete really takes care of their body and their mind, right? That they that that they recognize that that is where their power comes from, and so they're maniacal about it. And I think uh, a lot of us who sit at desks and stare at screens, we forget how important our our fitness and our our mental health is. So I spend a lot of time uh, exercising. I I make sure that I don't stay, you know. I have a, alerts that go off that tell me I've been sitting too long. Um, I make sure that if I, you know, if my brain, if I start uh, getting too aggressive or getting too um, angry, I, I take a time out. I make sure that I get my chemistry, my body chemistry, back under control. And then, uh, you know, I I make sure I have off days when when I can reset and when I can, you know, just. Spend If it's in a spa, hooray, wonderful, but it might be out running or it might be skiing or it might be swimming, anything that just gets me out of uh, a a super rational or logical frame of mind.
0: I love it. Um, Thank you for sharing those stories. Uh, Before we wrap uh, in uh, Rosenfeld Review tradition, I do have to ask you, too, what gifts you've brought for our listeners of things or people to take note of you want to go first Christopher
1: i um, sure in that vein of uh, kind of clearing your brain out and um, thinking about different things uh, my favorite podcast other than yours Lou is um, the knowledge project by Shane Parrish uh, he interviews a just really eclectic range of people and you find yourself learning from boxers from actors from uh you know chefs it, it's just it's just remarkable and he's one of the best questioners I've ever heard so I I it's like a, a a long cool drink of water to listen to him
0: excellent um I love the idea of uh just cleansing the mind with a podcast uh, uh that uh, um I'm not sure this one quite does that but I, I, I it's I'll just have to remember the long haul and change and, and progress. Uh, what about you, Maria?
2: One of the things as a designer who, you know, I've had a long career as a designer. And as you mentioned, I've worked with a lot of different clients over the years and designed a lot of products in my time. And one of the things I'm deeply passionate about is making sure that the people who are responsible for designing products and services in this world are as diverse as possible that the people who are designing their products and services are reflecting the diversity of the people that they serve. And so with that, I'm really passionate about programs that support um, providing education to people in underserved communities. Um, And so one particular nonprofit that I support here locally in California is called Interact Project. And Interact Project provides free uh, design education to kids in underserved communities. And in, there are Interact projects all over the country. So I just would hope that people support um, support bringing diversity into the design industry and to maybe do some research in your own area to find those those groups that are really helping to even the playing field, as it pertains to uh, design, as a as an industry in general.
0: Excellent. Those are are great gifts. Very different, but both wonderful. And your book's a gift. In fact, um, I'll make one last plug before we break. I, we, I think we just got this yesterday from uh, Kirkus Reviews. Those those folks who describe your book as a quote. Visionary Roadmap Offering Insights, Design Concepts, and Guidance to Leaders Implementing Change. Uh, That means um, you've reached your goal as authors. Way to go. Maria, Christopher, lovely to have you on the show. Uh, Those of you listening, I hope you will um, take a look at Changemakers. The book is coming out January 17th, 2023. It's on pre-order now. Change makers: How leaders can design change in an insanely complex world. We need more of them. And thank you, uh, Maria and Christopher, for helping uh, people get a little closer to achieving that uh, that ability. Great to have you on.
2: Thank you. Thanks.
0: Hey, it's Lou. Thank you for listening to the latest Rosenfeld Review podcast. I really appreciate it. I would love to hear from you. And if you want to pop me an email. Lou at Rosenfeldmedia.com. Tell me what you thought. Better yet, leave me the hell alone and post a review on your favorite podcast platform. Please feed the algorithm. It really does make a difference. We want to get the word out. If you like the word, give us a hand. And uh, while I'm asking you for favors, don't forget, buy books. Support your favorite local independent publisher. We happen to be one, Rosenfeldmedia.com. All those great UX books are there. So, thanks again.